Jonah chapter 3 and Jonah chapter 4. I'm going to read verse Jonah 3.10. I'm going to read the whole chapter of Jonah chapter 4. And it says this. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching heat, scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you be well? Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thanks. thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning. Lord, just thanks for how you work in our lives. Lord, thanks for the people that you bring into our lives. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just work through us this morning as we hear that your word, that you would remove every distraction, that we'd be open and honest before you. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my of our hearts be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We've been going through this series on through Jonah for most of the summer. We're going to look at it one more time, but this is where we've come so far. Just a quick review. God said to Jonah, Arise, get up and go to Nineveh, because I'm angry about their sin. And so Jonah arose, and he arrived. Instead of Nineveh, he went to a ship heading the exact opposite way. And God allowed the fear of some of the sailors through the big storm to throw Jonah into the sea. And Jonah is then picked up by a great fish that was appointed by God. Jonah asked God for help. God helps him. He ends up arising again, going to Nineveh, and he preaches, and the greatest revival of his time broke out. The people repented, and then Jonah, shockingly, gets ticked off at the situation and goes and sits down 
and waits for God to wipe them out, and he's filled with anger. And the book of Jonah, it ends very awkwardly. It just kind of ends. It just kind of stops. But one of the realities that I think we've been trying to see all the way through this study is that we are like Jonah, more than we want to admit. Many times God has come to us and said, hey, go this direction, do this. And we said, no, I don't want to do that, or I'm not really into that, or I'm not really excited about how you worked in somebody else's life. And the reality is we are much more like Jonah than we want to admit. And even in this last chapter, at times, when it comes to being angry, and angry at God. I mean, 15 years ago, many of us were in this room at about 7 o'clock together, having a service to pray for our country, and people were in shock, they were scared, they were afraid, and they were angry. And after 9-11, for months in our country, you can go back and read in all newspapers and editorial pages all over the country, the question kept coming up over and over again, where is God? Or where was God? Even though we as a country have tried very hard to deny God, get God out of it, but when a situation came up, they wanted to be angry at God and they wanted to find Him, and they were angry. And 15 years Later, the anger has not decreased. It's actually increased. In July of this uh, year, the Los Angeles Times had this article about um, how angry the nation is in the, its pop culture and how it's just an angry nation. And the article started out like this. It says, Our screens and phones, phones fume with righteousness. Our superheroes have forsaken us. And our fictions pale against our headlines. Social media taunts have poisoned our political discourse and disfigured our reality. We have become an angry, fractious lot. And then the article goes on and it says, anger is an addiction, and we like it. The brain likes it. And now you've got a country full of addicts who are just angry. We shouldn't be surprised by that. The Bible says that the unsaved, those who aren't in Christ, they are going to be angry. And they're angry at God. Psalm 2 says that the nations rage against God. And that's the way it's going to be. Revelation 16, 11, at the end, when things are exposed, people are still, who aren't following Christ, aren't Christians, or they're angry at God. Revelation 16, 11 says, people nod their tongues in anguish, or they will gnaw their tongue in anguish, and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. People apart from Christ, the natural bent of humanity is anger and rage towards God. But Jonah wasn't one of them. He was God's prophet. He was a follower of God. He believed in God. But he was very angry at God. My question this morning is, the Bible says we know that those who are apart from Christ are angry, and they're going to rage against God, and they will rage against God for the lot that comes to them What about the church? What about those who are a part of the church? How angry are they at God? And more personally and more directly, how angry are you? Or are you angry? Now, are you angry 
at God. I think Jonah chapter 4 addresses that very directly. And the reality is, undealt with anger at God will always end awkwardly for you. Undealt with anger at God will always end awkwardly for you. There was a cheesy church sign once that said, anger is one letter away from danger. That's true. John Flavel, a great preacher of the past, he said this, the believer is in spiritual danger. If he allows himself to go for any length of time without tasting the love of Christ and savoring the felt comforts of a Savior's presence. When, when Christ ceases to fill the heart with satisfaction, our souls will go in silent search for other lovers. And when Christians do that, those who are followers of Christ, when they go in search for other lovers, instead of putting Jesus Christ and God at the center of our lives, that's only going to stir in them up frustration, disappointment, and even anger. Jonah's ticked off at God. Anger at God, at its core, is the height of arrogance. I mean, here is Jonah, this prophet of God who didn't want to obey God at all. He runs from God. God gives him a second chance. And in his second chance, he preaches the greatest revival. A whole city repents and turns. And then it says, but that thing, the repentance of the Assyrians, the city of Nineveh, that thing displeased Jonah exceedingly. And it literally, in the Hebrew, that would be, it, it, Jonah thought it was evil. It was evil in Jonah's eyes that the people repented. And when it says he was displeased exceedingly, he was ranting and raving mad. He was furious at God because of this. And the Assyrian people, they were wicked. I mean, they were absolutely brutal. They would come into a culture. It's documented historically. You can go read about them. They were an unbelievably brutal society. That When they would come in, they weren't like the Babylonians who would, when they came in, took over a country, they would collect the most intelligent, like Daniel and his friends, and bring them in and try to teach them their culture so they could go back and influence their own people. The Ninevites didn't do that. They would come in and they would completely wipe you out and they would wipe out every aspect of your culture. And they would do it in unbelievably brutal ways. And these were great enemies of the people of God. And Jonah hated them. He was completely racist against them. He didn't have anything to do with them. And now that God blessed them with repentance, he's furious. And it's absolute arrogance on Jonah's part. Because he says, he's mad, and it says, it's better for me. It's better for me that I die than to see these people repent. That's a very self-centered view. Arrogance and his anger to God, is, it's, ang- it's arrogance. And anger at God, it's not just an emotion. And it wasn't just an emotion for Jonah. I mean, he was very livid in his expression of it. But it was not just an emotion, it was a position that he took. It says in verse 5 that Jonah went out of the city and he sat east of the city and made a booth for himself. And he was going to watch God do what he wanted God to do, which was wipe out this city. 
he wasn't just emotionally ticked off at God. I mean, that was now his position. That I'm going to do it my way. I don't think, God, you did it right. You're absolutely wrong. And now you have to do it my way. If you don't do it my way, then just kill me. Because my way's right, your way's wrong, God. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch you do it my way. That's arrogance. And anger at God at its core is the height of arrogance. And anger, though, is our natural disposition towards God. We don't always see it that way, but the Bible says it's relatively obvious that that's our natural disposition towards God. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord, it says in Proverbs 19.3, which is pride and self-will, that we're right and God's wrong, which created the whole mess we're in the first place. Adam and Eve were put in a beautiful garden. God said, don't eat of this tree. Satan comes and said, hey, eat of it. God's holding back from you. And they really just got angry at God and said, that's not right. We should be able to do what we want, when we want, and how we want to do it. And they ate. And it was that sin and that rebellion against God that got us all in the situation we are in now. And our own anger and our own rebellion against God. They were angry that God was holding out on them. Jonah's angry that he's not getting his way. And it's arrogance and it's pride and it's self-will. But the angry person, even if they're angry at God, they don't see it that way. It comes across, it's totally obscured by self-righteousness. I mean, this is what Jonah says. He's ticked off, he's raging against God, and then he prays this awkward prayer. And he's furious. And he says, see, this is why I didn't want to go, because this is who you are. I knew you'd do this. You're a gracious God. You're a merciful God. You're slow to anger. You're abounding in steadfast love. And all those things make you wrong to do this. Jonah's theology was absolutely right. I mean, if you would have given him a test on who's God and what God's like, he would have passed it completely. But he's filled with absolute self-righteousness, which means you can come to church every Sunday. You can read your Bible every morning. You can listen to Christian music constantly. Have all the right answers about God and still be angry at God. And you're deceived by self-righteousness. He's talking to God, and he's ticked off. He's, he's got God right, but he is absolutely wrong. The saddest thing that anyone has ever said to me in the 16 years that I served at this church, and I thought about it to make sure I think it's the saddest thing, but it is. I'll never forget it. I was talking to an individual, and they weren't right in the direction their life was going. And they knew it, and they were talking to me about it. And I was trying to show them and encourage them scripture. And in the midst of the conversation, they just said, in a carefree, emotionless, somewhat flippant, casual tone, me and God are not in good terms right now. And they just left it like that. You know, me and God, we're just not in good terms right now. And they were okay with that. 
That's the height of arrogance and pride. And it's a dangerous place to be. That person was angry at God. And that person, I've watched their life deteriorate because of their anger at God. And they haven't seen it as a big deal. They know who God is. They know who God stands for. Maybe you do too, but maybe just say, you know what? Me and God aren't on good terms right now. I'm going to live that way. I'm going to settle that way. That's what Jonah did. That's the height of arrogance. It's rationally empty to think that way. When Jonah was in this state, he just said, hey, kill me. I would rather die than to see this. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. There's absolutely no rationality to think that way. But when you're angry with God, you don't think right. You're rationally not right. And you forget that there will be accountability that's required of you. That kind of pride will be dealt with. And if you're angry with God, and you think it's okay, and you and God aren't on good terms right now, and you're not too worried about that, it's a very dangerous place to be, and that anger will lead to danger. So I want to ask you, are you angry at God? Because it's really God who can help you. But what causes us to be angry with God. You may say, I'm not angry with God. I'm not. But the reality is, we are easily deceived. Even as followers of God, we are easily deceived. And just like we sang this morning, we are prone to wander. We are prone to double-mindedness as even Christians. So what do we need to know? And what do we need to watch out for when we are very vulnerable? This is not the position that I think Jonah ever thought he'd find himself in. He was God's prophet. I, I think he was just as surprised as everybody else for what he just went through. But he's irrational, he's not thinking right, he's angry and he's furious at God and he's kind of okay with it here at the beginning. So what do we need to watch out for and where do we need to be when our, we start to head maybe in that direction? Well, anger at God comes when your expectations are not met. Or when you don't understand God's ways. This was Jonah's issue all over the place. He couldn't figure out why God would give grace and mercy to these unbelievably wicked, not just bad, I mean brutally bad people. The enemies of God's people. And why would God help them? And then why would God kill the plant that was giving him shade? just didn't seem right why God was doing this to him. And his expectations were not met. And you can get angry with God when you don't get what you want from someone. And when we don't get what we want from someone, what's our normal response? We just get angry. If we expect something from somebody else or we expect something and we don't get it, our normal natural response is anger. And it's the same in our relationship with God. David Paulson, great Christian author, he said this about anger at God. He says, when these situations come, we need to normalize your anger at God and treat it like any other anger event in your life. Ask yourself, what is it that you are not getting? 
Which of your expectations have been met with disappointment? What demands are you making of life of God that are not being answered? And which of your firm beliefs in God, is God contradicting? And as you think about those questions, as you ask yourself those questions, that's going to help you find out what you're substituting for God at the center of your life. Because we really get this type of anger. When what we want is more important than what God wants, and what we want is more important than God in our lives. I mean, bitterness is the result of anger. It's unchecked anger will end up in bitterness. And bitterness is happens by two ways. Where either you had something and it was taken away from you, or you wanted it and you never got it. And if you let those things eat you up, it's going to turn to anger, and then eventually it'll turn to anger at God. And you're sick, and you're praying for God to heal you, or a member of your family, and it doesn't happen. The result is, if you're not careful, anger at God, or acknowledgement that God is sovereignly in control of all of life. Or you have great hopes for your children, and they don't turn out the way you thought. You're either going to get angry at God, or you're going to say, God, you're sovereignly in control of my kid's life. They're yours, not mine. Or you need help financially, or you're in a tough situation, and you're about ready to lose your job, or you do lose your job, or your spouse isn't meeting your needs, or you're failing some way financially, and the response is either get angry at God, or say, God, you're sovereignly in control of my life. You, you give the good and you bad. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If not, the result will be anger. You'll have unmet expectations. This is what Psalm 73 is all about. Asaph was looking around the world and he's seeing that all these people who don't follow God, they get, they have no problems. There's no issues. Their life seems so easy. They've got the money. They got the cars. They got the house. They got the life. But it seems like the people of God are just always struggling. And Asaph's looking all over this and he's like, this doesn't seem right. And it's not fair. And it doesn't seem just. But he had a view, Asaph did, that God must have just be this genie in the bottle. And if I do this for God, then God is obligated to do this for me. And it never says that anywhere in the scriptures. God never tells us about himself. God doesn't owe us anything. And then I, Psalm 73, verse 17, Asaph realizes that he's being a fool. That he's self-deceived. And then he says, then I entered the sanctuary of God, and I saw their end, and everything turned. He got a right view of God, and he turned, and he realized that God is always with me. This world is broken. It is not the way it should be. Christians will die early. Children will go wrong. Jobs will be lost. Pain will be suffered. Your health may not be perfect. Even as a follower of Jesus Christ... But God is still good, and God is still sovereignly in control. And Jonah forgot that. But that's where anger comes from. Anger comes when your expectations are not met. And if you don't respond and say, God, you are God, and I am not, 
and you think God owes you something, you will turn and slowly become angry and become bitter and you can perform for the rest of your life in a certain kind of Christian quasi-normalty that nobody may even know that your heart towards God is like a stone. That's where Jonah was heading. But how do you deal with it? How do you avoid that? And the truth is, anger at God is crushed. When you anchor your life by faith in the sovereign God who truly cares. The story of Jonah is not really about Jonah. It's not really about a big fish. The story of Jonah is absolutely about the active grace and the work of God and the lives of people. He's pursuing Jonah. He's pursuing the people of Nineveh. And even at the end, he's still pursuing Jonah. And Jonah's getting grace and getting all kinds of grace. But the story's left unfinished. We don't know. You read the book of Jonah, and you come to this end, and you think, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And all of a sudden, it ends with also much cattle. And that's it. What happens to Jonah? Does he turn around? Does he see which way to go? Does he make it right? Does he repent? We don't know. It ends awkwardly. It's very awkward. But it also ends towards us because we don't know which direction our story is going to end either. But the reality is because of the book of Jonah is in the Bible... Our stories don't have to end awkwardly. The grace of God is still working in these things. And we can crush the anger and our wrong thinking about God because of God's grace by giving us the book of Jonah. I mean, 15 years ago, we almost think of it so casually now, but when... 9-11 happened, and the next day, churches were, uh, the next week, churches were packed. I think it was Bill Hybels, actually, who said in his sermon that first Sunday that he will never forget watching and seeing all the firemen and all the policemen run towards danger while everybody else was running away. And we've heard that a lot since then. But back then, we didn't really think about it as much, I don't think. That's one of the great memories of that, is seeing these people who didn't really know people ran into danger to rescue people they didn't know. But the gospel's not like that. The Bible says that Jesus went into a garden. And he prayed to God, Lord, if this cup can pass from me, then take it away from me. Remove it from me. But if, I can, if there's any way I can get away from this, take it away. And God said no. His father said no. And Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus didn't go to the cross for people he didn't know. Jesus went to the cross for people he knew. He knew how sinful we really are. He knew everything about your heart. He knew everything about your mind. He knew every action you've ever done. And Jesus didn't run away from you by that. He actually ran and went to the cross for you, knowing every wicked, evil thought that we've ever had. And then he rose again so that we can have 
hope. So to all who repent and turn, who by faith anchor their life on him, can have hope. Even in the midst of difficulties. And he says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I do not want to minimize the difficulty of your life or the pain that some of you are going to or are going through. I don't even know how much some of you have suffered or even where you are going to suffer. I don't know why you're going to suffer or why you have suffered that way. I don't know the magnitude of what it has been or what it is going to be. But what I do know is the direction for help is not to run from God, but it's to run to him. Because James says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So we can submit ourselves to God. It's a very awkward end of the book of Jonah. But it's very open to us. Our ending doesn't have to be awkward. Are you angry at God? Are you right to be angry? Are you going to stumble at the act of grace in your life? The reality is we have a God who does care. He understands which means we have hope through Jesus Christ. And our story and your story does not have to end awkwardly. We don't have a right to be angry at God. But we have been given great grace through Jesus Christ to have great hope. So dump your anger if you have it. Run to the gospel in humility. And God will give us and give you great hope.